Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're talking about episode 8 of season 5 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Things Past. And we have to thank Jules for suggesting this, and uh, I definitely thought fondly of her as we open with Garrick basically <laughs> being an alt-right troll. <laughs> to summarise the episode, for those who, who didn't watch it... Uh, this episode sees Cisco, Dax, Odo, and Garrick returning from a history conference on Bajor. Why these four people, I don't know. Where Garrick is outraged that no one wanted to, to debate him about his so-called alternative interpretation of, of, of the occupation. And where Odo was hailed as a hero. Uh, just as they're about to return... Uh, something or other happens and all four of them end up in a coma but those characters themselves wake up six or seven years earlier during the occupation Nine. I, I forgot the numbers and there was confusion because yeah I th they, they think it's nine but then it's eight or I don't know it was very it was strange yeah but that's not important. No, the important thing is that they've been thrust into the role of a group of Bajorans who were executed for an attempt on the life of Gul Dukat. And the man in charge of the investigation is a Cardassian civilian named Thrax, who reminds one of a certain shapeshifter, who, by the way, is not at all coping with events. And along the way, we learn that turns out Odo was kind of a collaborator. And also Quark's business practices are really terrible and it's a miracle that he's allowed to operate <laughs> in Bajoran space. And it turns out the occupation was bad. Yep. And Dukat was slimy all the way through. Oh, well, we knew that, but it's just seeing it again and again and again. Yep. <sighs> I, I make it sound like I didn't like this episode. I did. I just felt like we didn't need to know right away that the characters were physically in a coma on present day Deep Space Nine. Like that took yeah. a lot of the, the mystery out of it. Honestly, I don't think I did like this episode. <laughs> I'll, I'll just start with that. Yeah? I found it, I found it like boring. Most of it was boring. It was, I, I mean, it might be as because of the, the whole framing they could have taken that out and mm. done more with what was going on. Yeah, the tension and so the mystery of what's happening to it, them. Yeah, so that it wasn't just very... I mean, maybe I just I knew what was going to happen. Mm. I definitely have seen it before, but I because I remembered it being weird. I remember mm. it being like, why are they in Bajoran bodies? But they're not, but it's fit. And, and I knew, because you say it like five or six times on the podcast that Odo's a collaborator. Mm -hmm. so, so I knew that was going to come <laughs> up. And so maybe I was just like, because I knew the twist, mm. I wasn't into the mystery. But I also just, I think they just didn't build it up at all. Like Cisco, Cisco did nothing. Garrick was just sort of there being Garricky, But an unusually assholey version of Garrick. Yeah, yeah, a, especially Garrick. Like, he was mm. Garrick to the max. Garrick to and... the max! 
guitar Odo school. just moped the entire time and I just wanted to I was just not into Odo at all <laughs> and Dax was the best and she had like five minutes of screen time so so it was very it was just sort of like I don't know I I I like the idea of or like the purpose of the episode I think that it had a lot of interesting questions that they had just started to get to answering and then it was over. Yeah. I found it interesting to watch because I had forgotten the twist that this is actually all Odo's dream. And I thought it was a trap set, like a psychic trap set to torture Odo by a survivor or someone who remembered what he had done. So I was disappointed by that. It was all a dream twist. I think that's always weak source and in this case it was just particularly disappointing. Odo's conscience is bothering him. But what <laughs> I liked was Thrax, this Cardassian who turns out to be Odo, is he's played by Kurtwood Smith and it's such a good performance because he's his own character but there are these tiny moments where he sounds like René Aubergenois and he moves like Odo and just these tiny hints that I really appreciated because I remembered that twist that Odo was the security chief who had these people executed. Mm. I think that part was, but this like, that's something that could have been, there could have been more of that. Yeah. And less of other stuff. Yeah. I think Jules was right last week when she said this episode came too late in the series, because I think this was a perfect season two episode and should have held the mm. place of Necessary Evil, the so-called noir episode with black and white flashbacks to the occupation and a, a sexy widow and femme fatale and all that. And Kira in her resistance ponytail is always delightful, but I think this story <laughs> and the revelations in it needed to come much, much sooner in the series. And even Garrick's behaviour felt more in line with he, him in season two than Garrick in season five. Yeah. Like I said, Garrick to the max. Like I don't love Garrick the way that all of fandom loves Garrick. <laughs> this is this is the the episode of Annika's unpopular opinions. But look, there's a reason we don't talk about Deep Space Nine as much as other series. Yeah, but this episode, I was just he was just smug and annoying. And but I will say that the one interesting part of the entire episode was when he was basically saying that Bajorans were made to be servants and, mm. and are just naturally lower. That was interesting because it was clearly like the Cardassian party line. It's like that's what he learned in second grade. And so yes. he, even, even though he's met Bajorans who don't fit that and even though he is trying to learn and grow as a person, he... he falls back on that like that's yeah, that is his yeah. ingrained belief from clearly from childhood and that was interesting to me but that was like a throwaway line i think it was more than a throwaway line because then there's odo or thrax thrax's remark which must have come from odo originally that bajorans need to accept their place in history as a footnote and servants to the cardassians and so drawing a parallel between Odo and Garrick, I think, was a really interesting idea. And it didn't quite come out, I think, as yeah. neatly or as clearly as it could have. But it highlighted to me that Odo is, oh, he's such an outsider. He never took sides. 
But he absolutely had a place in the hierarchy and he was very well aware of it. He was below the Cardassians, but well above the Bajorans. And this makes sense because I think to have the facilities he did, Dr. Mora must have been a collaborator. And we know that Odo was sort of spent his early years doing party tricks for Cardassians. Like it makes sense that this is who Odo is. But as always, it troubles me that they never really grapple with it beyond the occasional very special episode. Right. I think that's what it is, is that this seemed very... We're going to talk about these interesting ideas of the, you know, what it was like to be in the occupation for all of these other characters, for Quark and for Odo and for the people who are not actively involved in it, who are not Bajorans or Cardassians, and but that's not really what happened. Yeah. It was just sort of like, we're going to wave at the idea of this story that could happen, but we're not we're not going to really grapple with any of those thoughts. Yeah. Because, I mean, part of it is if they did, then they would be stuck with Odo and Quark being main cast characters who we still have to see it every week and like and, and like care about and be invested in. Yeah. And, and it's harder to make those characters lovable when you do something like that. But I would have appreciated them more if they had. Right. The show and the characters. Like, Odo and Quark are never going to be my favorites. No. They, they weren't, and, and they're not, but... And I think... I don't know. From a 21st perspective... 21st century's perspective, we can say not every character in an ensemble has to be quote-unquote likable or lovable. And right. there's a real disconnect between what we know Odo and Quark have done and the consequences and the way the story treats them and Garrick too and even Ducat is only the only thing that stood between Ducat and a canonical relationship with Kira was Nana Visitor going ah yeah no that's that's not gonna happen (laughs) that's gross yeah yeah and I mean but so Ducat Coming off of our last episode where we really <laughs> talked about Ducat, I was sort of into his smarminess. I was like, okay, I get why he, because he's still charming. Like, he's yes. horrible and I hate him, but he's still charming. And it's like, this is so awful and I and I hate it, but it's way more fascinating than sad Odo. Like, yes. if Odo was, I don't know, he was, he was just emo Odo and that wasn't, <laughs> at all interesting to me. I wanted Odo to, like... The scene at the end between Odo and Kira was probably the the best for it because he did seem to actually be sort of looking in the mirror and, mm. and thinking about it. Like, the fact that Kira is disappointed means more to Odo than anyone else. Or, you know, including himself. That almost annoyed me because it was like, oh, well, you feel, you know, do you feel guilty because you did it? Or do you feel guilty because now the secret is out and the woman you're in love with knows? I think the second, which is why it's like, I don't, like, how is this making, supposed to make me care about Odo more? Yeah. I just get more upset with him. It's like, no, I, I don't want this character to be... I, I don't. And, and what you're saying that um, not every character needs to be likable, and that's totally true. But 
they I really get the impression that they're like okay so Odin is the curmudgeon right he's the guy who like is unlikable on purpose to you know and that's his his personality but he's just hiding the fact that he's really a squishy teddy bear that we all love and it's like no he's a squishy teddy bear who was a collaborator (laughs) And, and has and and is just sort of like sad about it. He's not. Yeah, he's not. He's he never says like, I don't know. I I wish, like he. In so many, he doesn't say in so many words. I wish this didn't happen. He sort of does say it in that like, when he's shouting at the end, and when he's explaining, and when he's like when he's revealed yeah but it's sort of like he was backed into the corner by his subconscious yes to to acknowledge these things and if the other people hadn't been there i don't know if he would have learned from it like he's used like you said he only cares because kira cares and it's like yeah if if all these other people didn't know mm. would he continue would he just be sad about it and not well, I, I, I think that's the conclusion we have to draw because at the beginning it's clearly on his mind because he's obviously troubled by how he was fated as a hero at this Bajoran conference. But he wasn't going to say anything. He didn't correct anyone's assumptions. And, you know, the story of how he goes from being a Cardassian yes man to a, a person who does stand up for justice, even for Bajorans, would have been really interesting. And I almost wish that this had been an ongoing arc and we sort of saw Odo's redemption story and that it wasn't then thrown under the bus by his actions during the Dominion War. Mm. Because I feel like Odo was a really interesting character and the writers just didn't realise fully what they were doing with him. No, I mean, right, I think that's true. I think they pigeonholed him into the Spock data mindset Mm. and didn't realize that it could be different. Yeah. (laughs) That that you could do different things. Like, they, they just talk about his identity as a... his identity discovery quest... Like, that's his big arc throughout the whole series. Yeah, and that's right? interesting and, and all. And it's, it's good, and he, like, he does get to to explore that, and I think it's it's good for him and that it's, it's, it's interesting, and people who love Odo love Odo, and I think that's great. So even if it's, like, an identity arc that I'm not into, that's okay. Mm. But I do think that it's... It could, there are these interesting places it could have gone right. that they they almost went to, but didn't quite. Which brings me to the Ronald D. Moore quote I found, and it's a bit long, but I'm going to read the whole thing out. One of the things that always drove the writing staff nuts was the idea that Odo had been a policeman during the Cardassian occupation, but had never got his hands dirty, that he had been above it all, and that everybody had trusted him. We never bought that. It seemed to me that if I were a Bajoran, I wouldn't trust the cop who's still on duty from the occupation. Something along the line, something bad went down on Odo's watch, and things passed was the show to say it. And I'm like, yes, these are good points, but I do not for a minute believe that this was an ongoing concern for the writer's department. No. Because... No. <laughs> because that 
never comes out. No, no. In the first season episode, this is from Memory Alpha, but a character goes, why are you still in charge of security? But that guy's, you know, he's targeting Odo because he's an outsider. Like, Odo is not a victim. Or at least he is a victim in the way that Garrick is a victim of Romul... Cardassian culture or Narak and Nerissa are victims of Romulan culture. And I do think that it makes a difference that when you remember that Odo is actually very young and much, much younger than René Aubergenois made him seem and sound. Mm. Like, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard when... Like the doctor in in Voyager, people are always telling me, you know, whenever I complain about the doctor's mm. age difference with any of the women that he is thrown together with, they're like, "Well, he's really, you know, what he's, he's it's, if it's the fourth season, he's only four years old." And it's like that okay, doesn't make it better. <laughs> like that is that is not that is not the gotcha that you think it is. No, so, no, yeah. <laughs> And it um, kind so of, yeah, it's hard to look at Rebenio Aubergenois and think of a teenager. What I what I think we need is a remastered version of Deep Space Nine that casts Adam Driver as Odo. He's still probably too old. <laughs> I just think he'd be very good in the role. I like that you're just going to put Adam Driver in every Star Trek. I really like good, him. Good, good goal. Good goal. I like goal. his weird face. I like it too. I think that I would have liked this episode more if i agree that the framing like it was very gimmicky yeah the, the whole it it was i would have rather someone found the records or something and like actually confronted odo about it or mm. i don't know it was this the Joran investigative them, journalism yeah some yes something you know maybe we go to the history Bajor conference and in the middle of like his his big they're fetting Odo someone comes in and says that's not how it happened blah 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 blah. like I don't know I think I would have enjoyed that more than this super sci-fi play with your mind like it would just seems like Worf and Bashir were just sort of there to you know say quips and Mm. and cash their check like it was just very and Cole Meany and Cyril Clofton weren't even in the episode but, yeah <laughs> they were just not there Kira gets one good scene yeah. and is still pro- almost the best scene <laughs> so I understand that Nana Visitor was heavily pregnant at the time but it is so frustrating that there is no that Kira has no presence beyond that final scene when this story is so integral to her experience of the occupation and her understanding of Odo. And I almost wish that they had ditched the framing device and the conceit of Thrax and just had an episode set seven or nine years in the past and, you know, get some high-profile guest stars to play these doomed Bajorans and, you know. Yeah. Something, like, right, because our, our cast were the doomed Bajorans mm. I didn't care about them at all yeah it wasn't they... going to it, nothing was going to happen to our people they were just some random Bajorans we didn't know any of them we like we got the 
Siri, tell me about this guy. Mm. <laughs> you know? So we got their name and occupation and whether or not they had family. Mm. And, like, so who cares? They're just na- they're, It was just... And on one hand, you know, if they were saying the occupation was bad all around and any Bajoran dying is is wrong, which mm. I agree with. <laughs> like, I'll just say, yes, true. But that's not how it came across to me. It came across as we think that by having Cisco playing this guy that you're going to care yeah. what happens. We're going to put it entirely on Avery Brooks' ability to act two different characters at the same time but in the middle of really. Odo's memory. And it's like, like what? Brooks is outstanding. Right. And yeah. I think Cisco comes out, the, Cisco and Dax come out the best of all characters in this story. Uh, but he's just playing Cisco. Right. He's just playing Cisco because no, like we never even see these people as Bajorans. No. Like, on their, their picture and at the end, that's it. The only character that I was concerned for was Dax because I felt like even if, you know, execution, blah, 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 she survives, but whatever Ducat intends to put her through, that's an experience that she'll have. And that yeah. that tension in those like, scenes was palpable. It was really hard to watch. Yeah, it was. I was I was sitting there, I was like, this episode should end with Dax holding up a Me Too Gold Ducat sign. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's... That's all I could think the entire scene was poor Jadzia is going to end up as on one of, you know, Goldicott's lists by this psychic nonsense. <laughs> and it was, and and the fact that she was using Lita as her name made yeah. it like doubly, like, ah, all of the women are going to end up on Goldicott's list because of this horrible thing, which... The episode was not about it all. No, which, you know, I think when sexual grooming and implicit assault is, you know, just a sidebar, that's maybe a problem. And and we've complained about the all-male writer's room for (laughs) DS9. But yeah, it really jumped out at me that Dax is so important to driving the plot along and she takes out Ducat and she tries to free the others and it's only the rules of Odo's dream that, that stop them. But mm. the script treats her as an afterthought. She's mm-hmm. barely... She is not important to Odo's journey. And it's really frustrating. Yeah. It was really frustrating. I think that's, that's, that's a good summary mm. of my thoughts on this episode. No, no. But... <laughs> I'm so glad that they have belatedly decided to confront Odo's presence in the occupation. Uh, I think Quark comes out very, very badly in terms of oh using gosh. slave labour. And his and his condescending tone mm. of, you know, okay, now you're going to step out here with me and now we're going to walk in a line together. And it's mm. like, wow. The wow, amazing Quark. thing is that his shop isn't, his bar isn't being firebombed once a week by people who hate the fact yeah. that he's still in Bajoran territory. Like, I feel like if Cisco had known about this, he wouldn't have been like, oh, you're a community leader, back in the first episode. But at the same he's time... not a community leader. No, no. 
But at the same time, I think that Cisco did not know that or did not suspect that maybe suggests that Starfleet's understanding of the occupation is pretty limited. And, and that makes Which sense because believe. all of these terrible things on Terok Noor are happening during like mid to late next generation. <laughs> I know. This is not the distant it's, past. It's weird. It's And you know how you we were saying again last week how... Uh, the Kazan were, you know, thirty years ago. Mm. <laughs> they were, they were, the, they were the Bajorans, and this is like a decade ago. A yeah. decade ago, less than the Bajorans were under everyone's thumb, and all of this stuff was going on, and it's kind of still happening. It's like, yeah, yeah, they. They have Terak Noor now, but they don't really. And Hashtag decolonize Bajor. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's, it's another one of those, they're asking a lot of questions and really not interested in answering them. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I found frustrating about the final scene. That's like, oh, Odo is sad and Kira is judging him. But we know that there's going to be no long-term consequences. We know that his relationship with, with Kira doesn't change and her trust in him persists. And I know this is very early in serialised or semi-serialised mainstream television, but it's just so intensely yeah. annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very, I want there to be more consequences. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I enjoy the complexity of Bajor suffering while the Federation is happily doing its Federation thing. I think that's terrible, but it's interesting and it feels real. And it's the sort of thing that I wanted Star Trek Picard to deal with and that sort of complex moral and ethical question. And it didn't. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah, they're really good at at bringing up the question and saying this is a question we could discuss, mm. but then sort of sidestepping it and saying, but instead we're going to tell a Star Trek story. Yeah, and, like, and we're going to. I end... get it. They're fiction. Yeah, and it's all good, but it's sort of like they're. This is another. We're going to rest on the idea of. Starfleet and Star Trek as a thing and we're not going to actually engage with it in any way. We're just yeah, going to yeah. rest on the laurels of Star Trek is moral and good and asks moral questions and is telling us about society and yet they don't say anything about society. They don't say anything about collaborators. Yeah. They don't say anything about Quark and and making money off of people's suffering. No, like, it's just it's usually just none a of that joke. is actually being addressed in any way. It's just sort of there. Yeah, which I think and that's not that's not going as I I want just wanted to go further. I want. Even if they don't, they don't. I'm not expecting Star Trek to give me answers. No, but I think that asking questions is is their role, 
But I think that they do need to engage with the questions and explore the questions. and Right. And, and not just go, yeah, this is really complicated. Anyway, roll credits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What... This is really complicated. Yeah, and... The end. We can go. This we are is Starfleet. really complicated. And maybe some regular cast members feel differently about Odo and maybe others like say Worf go oh yeah that was that was a shitty situation but you were doing your best hey I nearly sided with Admiral Satie that time yeah you know there's this 100% would too like and I would I think that would be a great conversation because it would tell us something about both characters and that how they were similar to each other and different from others and that's like finding those connections between people who, on the surface, Worf and Odo are not much alike. Like, no, okay, and they're I guess not they're friends. Both in security. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they are not alike. And so something that brought them together to have that conversation and say how this is how we're alike and different from Kira because Kira would rather die mm. than make that choice. That's interesting right and it's not that they don't answer the questions because i don't think these questions can easily be answered but the fact that they don't grapple with them at all and it's just business as usual afterwards that to me is disappointing and this is not a a uniquely deep space nine problem obviously you know that's that's... not a unique star trek problem like every every story like we get it and and i'm not saying that i would do any better like and and so I'm not saying that, oh, Deep Space Nine is bad and, and Ronald Moore is bad. Like, obviously not. That's not true. That's not what I'm saying. No. What I'm saying is the, as good as it is, it could be better. Yeah. Because these are really interesting questions. Right. That could be discussed in, in more nuanced conversations and i think that there is a level of dishonesty now in the approach to odo and quark after all of these long overdue surprise reveals you know we can't just go back to seeing them as our lovable curmudgeon and his thief best enemy yeah that's what's that's hard yeah yeah like it's 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 that they ask the audience to make that leap without going to any particular effort to improve, improve it, to, without, uh, without going to any effort themselves to make it work. Right. That's and it. it's sort of the same with Garrick because this is his first episode after he spent six whole months in jail for attempted genocide. <laughs> and he's back complaining that the Bajorans you know... aren't nice to him. And, like, shut up, Garrick. <laughs> right. No one wants to hear episode, your opinion. The whole episode. I was just like, no, you are not contributing to this. And then when they, when he stole the thing and, and, and Odo was like, I'm going to add pickpocket to your resume. And, and he's like, says something like, why would a simple tailor be, have high level codes or whatever and I was like it is season five right we have to let the simple tailor stuff go 
like you I were just in it. jail for attempted genocide, that's mate. The, uh, that's like the party line, but it's stupid at this point. Right. Otto is not an idiot, and Gehrig is not an idiot, and so like this whole, you know, just saying it sarcastically, it, like it doesn't. I just it just made me angry. <laughs> I was just angry at the it whole reiterated thing. Reiterated my feeling that this is a lost season two episode. Yes, I agree with this because I think that no one would, like, they weren't making sense. And you like, uh, O'Brien could have had Worf's lines and nothing would change. Right. So, therefore, it could be whatever. Or Kira, like, nothing. There was nothing Worf about that. No. And Bashir was just Bashiring. I mean, bless his heart and all, but, you know. Like, so, so I was all just, I don't know, missed opportunities and lost potential because I wanted, I wanted there to be more. I want, I felt like we were past this. Yeah. We should be, we should be really digging deep into it instead of, like, it's it's ridiculous how angry that line about the tailor made me but i was just so over it it's just sort of emblematic of the problems with the episode it's not that it's a bad episode it's that it comes so late in the story as to be meaningless yeah so oh well <laughs> that's, that's like hmm. you got a message asking if we wanted to talk about deep space nine and babylon five and you oh, have yes. not seen babylon five but i, I have i can't do that I'm gonna, I'll pass it on to you. Please discuss TV Space Nine and Babylon 5. So my secret shame as a Trekkie is that I like Babylon 5 better than Deep Space Nine. I don't think it's necessarily a better show, but I think J. Michael Straczynski was watching Star Trek and seeing the things that annoyed him and going, I'm not going to do that. And then he does a whole lot of other annoying things. And it's a show that I love, but I don't recommend to new people because I don't think it's aged very well. But... One thing, I will say, it has more overt queerness that in its mid-90s way than one season of Star Trek Picard in 2020. <laughs> that's, uh, <clears throat> well, that's yet another, uh, yeah, let's just yeah, push yeah, that over. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But one thing I felt like it did very well was that there's a character, Londo, who comes from this fading once glorious empire and and he's i don't want to say he's make the centauri empire great guy because it's more about robe and and that sort of metaphor but there comes a point where he commits genocide against or or a partial genocide against the people of another main character and he's literally standing on the ship watching as asteroids are driven down onto their home world and then he is not forgiven or no some characters forgive him and some characters even come to love him again but no one forgets that he did this and there is not a single point in the series barring some of the weaker spots in season five which had a lot of behind the scenes drama where this is Londo he is our funny alcoholic who has a terrible past he also killed a whole million, you know, millions and millions of people, and we kind of side-eye that. And it's not forgotten. It's so important. And it's important because he becomes a character who is determined never to do it again. 
but he goes through that whole story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I explained it very well because I didn't want to get into the details of who and what and alien names and whatever, but the funny alcoholic clown man with the vertical hair <laughs> goes through this, and I think it's a much more nuanced take on this sort of story than Deep Space Nine did. Well, and I, th- I think, again, it, it comes back to that... Like, it was okay for Ducat to be mm. the charming guy we love to hate. It was not okay for Odo to be that. Like, they just, they couldn't, that was a bridge too far yeah. for Star Trek. Yeah. To, they, he, he could have this quote-unquote dark past. Mm. And, you know, in that Kira scene, at least, at least he admits that it, probably wasn't the only time yes but the fact that she was like if you tell me this is the only time it'll be okay it's like no that's that's not the lesson here the lesson here isn't i did this one bad thing this one time and i'm sorry about it 20 years later so Mm. now you should love me again it's like the lesson is I need to make up for this and never do that again and grapple with the fact that I am the type of person who could do it. Like, that's that's the story we need to be telling here. So the show had that moment mm. where they they like gave, almost gave themselves an out for making Odo spotless except for his one spot i guess no and, and they didn't take it and i respect they didn't that. do it so that was good but the fact that not much changes that this doesn't mm. this doesn't change him it doesn't change his relationships it doesn't change the series <laughs> means that it still sort of is yeah, you have this one spot, and whatever. And I think that's the sort of spot. disconnect that fic writers love. And part of the problem is that I don't love these characters enough to do that work. Whereas, like, I just watched the Voyager episode, The Shoot, and I'm like, wow, Janeway is really more than usually implacable this episode. And that's kind of inconsistent <laughs> with past characterization, but I think she's just still recovering from losing her ship in basics, and she's mm-hmm. more determined than ever to hang on to it and protect her crew. So, yeah, I, I think deep, people who are bigger fans of Deep Space Nine will do the work. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. And that's sort of the joy of being a Trekkie. Yeah, because we can go read those fics if we want to (laughs) explore more. We can go looking for it, and it's probably there. Right, and as much as I am not a Deep Space Nine fan now, there is no, there is always the possibility that one day I'll wake up and go, man, you know what I really want? I want to read a lot of Kira Odo. It's not going to happen. I hate Kira Odo. I can do I was so much better. Say, no TP, no TP. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I opened Netflix to watch this episode and for some reason it went straight to his way. I think that's where my flatmate and I noped out on our last rewatch. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a good person. I shouldn't have to see this. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... None of the people that Kira dated were good enough for her. No. None. Zero. <laughs> One thing, though, 
the other week I read My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. It's a contemporary novel, semi, it sort of straddles the boundaries between commercial and literary fiction. But it's about a woman looking back at, at an affair she had with her teacher when she was 15. And it's a very stark depiction of grooming. And it made it really hard to watch those scenes with Ducat and Dax. Like, just so awful. I, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's strange how I really had a, a visceral reaction to mm. that more than the whole rest of the episode. And it, it might partially because, okay, so I watched the season finale of SVU this morning. Mm. And it, it was a... It was their take on the Harvey Weinstein ordeal, and so it the season opened with this you know big case taking down a Harvey Weinstein esque person, and it closed with his trial and how absolutely impossible it was because all of the you know there was so much intimidation Mm. and and he was having these medical problems and his lawyer was just completely like her whole thing was well i'd rather have 10 guilty men go free if one innocent man is brought down and it was just like (laughs) oh like it's an interesting math equation you got going there of lives for you know but whatever lady and so that's how i woke up this morning Mm, what I'm saying. That sounds nice. And so maybe when I got to Deep Space Nine <laughs> and I watched the scene between Ducat and Dax and I was just like, woo, me too, Ducat. Mm. This, that's what's going on here. Uh, you know, I was sort of already in that mindset. And so that's what I connected to. Yeah. Maybe. Because no, it was all, no. it's, and it's obviously not just SVU. It's in the news all the time. You know, this is it's reality. Before COVID took over everything, it was like the the backlash of the Me Too movement. Right, right. Um, and then Fiona our... Apple's new album came out, and that was also about predatory, powerful men and her anger towards them, and all of that. It's sort of the wallpaper of our lives. But right. I watched, I watched. Ducat monologuing about, I'm a father to the Bajoran people. And I was like, yeah, you also want them to call you daddy. And then I just felt like I'd really squicked myself out because he is like this fictional (laughs) man preying on fictional women. I need a friend and, you know, you're the the only one I could. It it was Mm. so gross. And there was a whole like flashback to... Schindler's List because yes. they seemed very similar to the wine cellar scene. I was just like, this is exactly what's happening here. And it was just really disturbing on every level. And mm. so I was way more invested in that non-storyline than right. I was in everything that was happening with Odo. And that it's, maybe it's just because you know quote unquote women's issues and that's what I was interested in because I'm a woman I don't know because there weren't like not a lot of women women in this episode episode. and so if if I am I don't and I also I don't relate to I don't relate to Cisco I don't relate to Garrick for heaven's (laughs) sake I definitely don't relate to Odo so like 
my options are limited in like even if it was some even if I was going to relate to a man mm. or a male character as a woman my op- like there weren't any mm. that were for me anyway I kind of related to Garrick a little in that he was being very much a Karen and I <laughs> I said it to make you laugh. That way, that's perfect. But you know, as a as a middle class white lady, I am certainly prone to that sort of attitude and sort of check it in myself. But what really interested me was Jax's story and how, you know, none of the men really play the role they're assigned. Whereas Dax throws herself right into the part, if that's the right way to put it, of this Bajoran mm-hmm. woman who doesn't even get a name. But like, right. she's a method actor, apparently. She she <laughs> eats the food and tells him that she doesn't eat very well very often. And, and like, I was so scared for her, but so impressed by her at the same time. Yeah. And, sh- and she like gets out of the whole situation. And it's also like, because Odo's not in any of her scenes, it's like, what's mm. even going on there? If she's just lost in his subconscious. Right. Then how is like... Why is Odo subconscious writing a scene between Ducat and Dax? And, and I was just like, if you think about it too much, go yeah. down a bad rabbit hole. So just let's not. No, it's too late. And, I am already asking why Odo is Dax writing is this. Dax great, and and she she was smart and clever and playing along and getting rid of him and like could have actually could easily have actually killed Ducat mm. as opposed to being accused of killing Ducat like everybody else. And and it was, there was just so, it was like, wow, the fact that he doesn't, he's not afraid of her at all. He thinks he is in control of the entire situation. Right. And she like with two scenes is able to completely destroy him. It was just like... That scene was, like, that's what I'm saying. That story was way more interesting. Yes. Dex being cool and getting the one over on Ducat was way more interesting than everything else. And it also felt like a better depiction of the treatment of Bajoran women under Ducat than the episode where Kira goes back in time to judge her mother for being, yes. being a comfort woman, essentially. Because I think that's another interestingly complicated episode that in that case does try to draw easy answers and the answer is that Kira is incredibly judgmental. Yeah, right. In a a way that I think was bad at the time and has also aged badly. It's just... Especially when you have this episode where she's she's judgmental for sure. But so much more gently. Yeah, and it's not... It's like it's like I'll forgive you, Odo, mm. but I'm not going to forgive my mother. <laughs> like, why? Which I, I think what, that's what an is the interesting psychological choice? Yeah, right. It is interesting, and it and it's sort of it's another thing where you like you learn about Kira, and it's I don't think the writers intended us to learn this about Kira, but I absolutely believe that she is the type to hold her mother and women in general up to a higher standard. Right. And even like Bajorans in general up to a higher standard Mm. than she would Odo. Like, I believe that of her. Not 
consciously and not on purpose. Oh, but no. She would. <laughs> and, and so it's like, that's interesting, but I don't think it's, I don't think they meant that to happen. No, and it's I not a story that I would want this all male writer's room to tell. No, definitely not. Uh, one thing that I think this episode hinted at but didn't really explore is that after 50 years of occupation, so, like, no one comes out of this oppressive regime untainted. And, and so, of course, everyone knows collaborators and everyone accepts the most hardline resistance cell members has to make a compromise to survive for themselves or their loved ones. And, and so that was a really... They don't, don't really discuss it, but it's come up in other episodes about the occupation mm-hmm. of the Joran politics. And I just think it's worth remembering that Kira, Kira's attitude is sort of in the minority because most people are more pragmatic and less idealistic than she is. Mm, it's true. Which is not to say that anything Odo did was okay, but I don't think he was... I, I'm sure that there were Bajorans serving in security roles and police roles that also committed crimes against their own people yes it's and those are again those are interesting questions those are the people who are not the heroes of the story and not the villains they're the people who are just trying to survive right and making choices and some people make better choices than other people and that's interesting and that's life and that's you know those are those are again those are interesting questions and so yes Odo, and when you brought up his age earlier, mm. I think I cut you off before you actually got to your point. But if your point was <laughs> that at that time he was young and he was also alone. Yes. Because we know Odo as Odo, a part of our ensemble who has these relationships with mm. these people. But at that point in Odo's history, he didn't have those relationships. He didn't have people. He didn't have friends. Right, he exactly. He was just, he was the law and order guy. You know, that was all he had was I'm going to create order. And so I can understand from that perspective of that Odo, this choice. Right. And I wish that Odo took the time to try to understand his former self making this choice yes. and actually acknowledging that instead of me doing it for him. Yes. And the journey he made from being straight up law and order guy and more about the order than the law to developing an understanding of justice and of becoming a competent investigator who did the work. Like that's an interesting story. And I, I wish we knew more about it and I wish we knew how he learned and who taught him and all of that. Yeah, I mean, and this, these are the whole, like, I think I would be pretty into a Deep Space Nine prequel. Mm. I would love to know terrorist Kira. <laughs> like, I want to know more mm. this, honestly, than what we get. <laughs> it feels like a great topic but... for, like, a high-quality graphic novel. So call us, whoever yeah. has the, the rights to Star Trek <laughs> comics right now. Exactly. Mm. I, think, I think you're right, that it's a little too gritty for the, the high-budget television series, but a graphic novel would be just right. <laughs> that and, yeah, I just, you know, what if this is how Quark is treating his 
temporary bar staff and, and waiters. What is he doing to the Darbo girls? Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are the Cardassians doing the Dabo girls? Like Me too, Terok Noor is something I've never really considered <laughs> before. But... Very, very real, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I like this. I, I get why people like Deep Space Nine because it is that realism, that, mm. that gritty version of Star Trek. Like, I get it. I get it. And so it just, but uh, it's still still a little too. I don't know. It, to me, it half asses the realism. Yeah, it's like sanitized. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I do understand that it's the '90s and all of that, but that doesn't mean we have to acclaim it now. Like it tried, it was important at the time. It does many things well, even now. But you know, and, and I don't even think that necessarily. Uh, modern 21st century Trek is doing hugely better. I, I was more optimistic after Discovery's first season, but then, you know. Then Discovery's second season. And Picard. And Picard. Yeah. Going backwards. But, Look, I don't know. Star Trek is imperfect, and that's part of its charm. And to an extent, every series... And every spin-off has to reinvent the wheel to an extent. And there is always a shakedown period of awkwardness and trying to figure out how to do things. So yeah, but th That brings it back to, this is a fifth season episode. Right. This season is supposed to be the best season. Yeah. So, yeah. what happened? Yeah. yeah. Should we wrap up? Sure. Yes. It's a little bit short, but I don't know that we have more to say. And honestly, I've been at my desk. I have been doing work every single day since Easter Sunday, and I'm so sick of being at my desk. I'll say one positive thing. Yes. At the very beginning of the episode, when the shuttle pod is coming and Worf is on the bridge, mm -hmm. there is a woman who is his person on the bridge. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But she's wearing the Bajoran uniform. Yes. In, like, gray with the quilted. It looked really good. Oh, nice. I was like, I really like these Bajoran uniforms. And, like, I always liked Kira's, but in the gray, it was really interesting. Because it was yeah. still, it was, like, more utilitarian and also sort of more Starfleet-y. But looked, like, really good. It was interesting. So I liked it. As long as we're talking about costuming, there's a shot of, a full-length shot of Kira at the very end, and you see her boots. And I've always liked the boots that she wears, whether the high heels or the flats. But they just looked like, because she's so pregnant, they look like very yeah. nice, solid, appropriate heels. And they looked really the comfortable. Kira, Kira boots over leggings. Mm. Like, it's super 90s, and I love it. Right. I was looking at I, it going, I, I remember dressed cover, like that slouchy boots. All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> that was me. So, uh, good I on you, Kira. I spent the 90s dressing like Janeway in resolutions. So, yeah. <laughs> like, no, but seriously, Kira was my fashion icon. Did you own she, a, a crochet... Yes, Singlet? exactly. The crochet, the crochet look things. Like, I still, whenever <laughs> I go to a thrift store, I look for crochet vests and, and little dresses and things. And it's like, Kira and Kess yep. <laughs> were, my, were what I dressed like. 
So <laughs> just, just you know, <laughs> has nothing to do with this episode, but fashion icon. My other shameful Trekkie confession is that as a feminist, obviously I think it's terrible that Nana Visitor was put in steadily tighter costumes and higher heels as the series went on. But from an aesthetic point of view, I'm really into it. See also Seven of Nine's cat suit. <laughs> and I did, I, I went through a phase of wearing heels like that every day and then I had to have foot surgery and I never wore heels again. You know, Tapal's like pastel velour mm. faux uniforms that she wears in the last two seasons, those are my favorite. I love them. <laughs> I saw, They're so good. I think it was Trekcore <laughs> who uh, retweeted a picture of a cosplayer so doing and that so outfit good. and she looked amazing. <laughs> yes. It's just kind of the Star Trek equivalent of the Juicy Couture tracksuit. <laughs> it is exactly. And it just, it looks so comfortable. Like, like by catsuit standards, yeah. By catsuit standards, yeah. You know, it's like probably horrible to wear, but it looks cozy. <laughs> I reckon it'd be more comfortable than what Jerry Ryan had. Like, it just seems like it moves better and doesn't have an inbuilt corset and has separate mm. shoes. Honestly, it looks more comfortable than what she's stuck in in the first like her what i call her couch cat suit yeah that does look like a cushion rough like Mm. that looks really it doesn't like at least the velour is like soft yeah the couch one often looks a bit cold like it's very thin fabric it looks cheap basically they all all the costuming on enterprise looks cheap it was bad choices bad choices uh, T'Pol was happier in the later mm. seasons, and mm. I think it's partially because of her clothes. <laughs> I found a bunch of photos of myself from the early 2000s, and that was a bad time for fashion in general. <laughs> like, I was unfortunately very trendy then, and I have regrets. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> The extremely revealing singlet and boot-cut jeans. Don't know what I was thinking. Not going to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I just want to go back to my past self and put a cardigan over her shoulders. I Honey. mean, right now it doesn't even matter what we wear. Um, so. <laughs> I'm wearing jeans right now, but that's because once we're done here, I'm going to mow the lawn and I don't want my neighbours to see my terrible tracksuit pants. I will be honest that I am back to leggings and boots. Good. That is, that is once again what I wear every day. So, <laughs> and it's very cozy. <laughs> yeah, I had some money set aside to upgrade my autumn work wardrobe, and instead I spent it all on hoodies. <laughs> that I'll, was a good choice. Well, I'll probably regret it come spring, but that's a spring Liz problem. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the future. Who mm. even knows what's going to be? anything could happen between now and then well i know what's happening on our next episode so thank you for listening to antimatterpod you can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com including links to our social media and credits for our theme music you can also follow us on twitter at at antimatterpod sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. Or just tell someone about us. We're we're cool. 
Join us in two weeks when we'll be discussing an iconic TOS novel, Diane Duane's My Enemy, My Ally. Yes! I bought, bought it in paperback when I was in Detroit and I've been meaning to read it ever since and I think the time has come. This is like perfect quarantine reading for me. This yeah. is, it's going to it's gonna perk up my whole next week. I'm very excited. I just I read the first line and I was like, this is already better than most modern tie-in novels. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>